3: And welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the Newport County podcast made by the fans for the fans. Joining me in this preseason special tonight, I have Ian Street and Ed Bridges. Good evening. Hello. So I want to lead off by uh, just thanking the people who've recently donated to our Ko-Fi. Really appreciate it. We basically run on your goodwill. Um, It buys us a bit of extra airtime. We've been really busy through the summer. Lots of content talking through off the pitch matters uh, regarding the trust ownership, discussing shirts, photography and work that County and the Community carry out as well. Um, As well as kind of covering off some of the big team news, uh, but we'll probably dive into that in a bit more detail shortly. So reviewing our signings so far in, we've had Ryan Delaney, Shane McLaughlin, Bryn Morris, Nathan Wood, Kyle Jameson, Matty Bonswell, and Seb Palmer Holden. And their notable departures have been Cam Norman, Aaron Lewis, Priestley, and as confirmed yesterday by the club, Mickey. What do we make of how the squad's shaping up so far? Um, Ian, do you want to lead us off?
4: I always struggle. I've probably said this before. I always struggle a little bit with with pre-season previews because this whole issue of ooh, so and so is a good sign-in. Are they? Who knows? Do you know what I mean? Like you know, we we've, we've talked before about there's so many factors, isn't there, in terms of a a player to go into another club. However, what Cochrane has done and the and the, t- and the backroom staff have done this this sort of window is we talked at the end of last season, didn't we, about losing a spine, losing a core. And I really like the sort of profile and the age generally of the players that he's brought in. They're all what I would call solid professionals. They're all of a sort of 24, 25, 26 years old. So they're the right age where they can grow with us for a bit. I think a good chunk of them have been given two-year contracts, which which I applaud. You know, I think that's a, again a good thing. They've all got you know 150 odd games at this level or 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 above. So from a from a sort of solid core perspective, on paper, I think he's recruited very well for the budget that we've got. I think it's quite impressive what he's done. And then it's a question of then augmenting that with some of your League of Wales and some of the younger players, and you know who knows what they're going to turn out like. But I think that. With the resources we've got and with uh, the planning that we've had, I think he's. I think it looks like he's recruited well in terms of the type of player we want. Hard working, good professionals. I think that that's what he's gone for.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. We're, we're doing OK in terms of quality for the reasons Ian has said. There's a lot of experience, which was one of the things we talked about at the end of last season of, you know, we were likely to lose... Your your Normans your Dimitrius could we replace the experience? I think we have replaced the experience and that's been really good. So the quality is there, quantity is a bit down. Um, I don't think we're going to have the numbers that we had last year. And there, you know, some of the the fringes of the squad, as Ian said, are youngsters like Kevin Rye, um, uh, Harrison Bright, and then you know the, the some of the players who've. Perhaps the likes of Bowen, um, the likes of Wood, who uh, you know have played at, done well at a lower level, but perhaps you know will take a little while to adapt and and stuff. So the quality is all right. The quantity, I think, we will we we can't afford to have too many long term injuries and suspensions and all of that going into the season. And I think we will still garnish what we've got with a couple of loans. And we'll doubtless come on later on to talk about whereabouts on the pitch those need to be. But um, I think with the budget we've got and with the players who we've lost, we've probably had about as good a window as we could have hoped by by this point.
3: Yeah, I think we normally end up with about four loans, don't we, by the start of the season most of the time around. So I think we might might supplement what we've got with another one or two. Bondswell and Palmer Holden are our two loanies at the moment. Yeah, I think you're right that some of those people who've been on the fringes, like likes of Bowen and Waite who maybe didn't get too many opportunities um, last season may, may see a bit more game time. Caban has been uh, playing quite a bit in pre-season, so um, I think the manager obviously, at the very least, taking a very good look at him. Um,
4: whether he, he gets a lot of first-team action or not remains to be seen. I think that he has got something from from what I've seen of him. I like the look of him. I wouldn't want to go into the season with him being the you know, the second choice striker alongside Bogle we'll come on to who we think we need, but I think we could do, you know, if it's if it's Kiban Rai and Holden Caulfield, as he'll always be now in my book, but with with Seb Seb Holden Caulfield, whatever his name is, when it comes on. I think there are two to come on, you know, from the bench and, and, and support and join. But I'd like you know, obviously we've got Zanzala injured. I don't think Kiban Rai yet is is Bogle's first choice partner. I hope not anyway. I think we can bring someone else in there.
3: I think it would be Oz, wouldn't it, if he wasn't injured. But given his track record, we probably need a plan for Oz being injured for the majority of the season.
2: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the likely starter at the moment is well what the, the man who you're calling Holden Caulfield and I'm calling Sarah Palmer Tompkinson but we we're going we're going to be having all sorts of fun with his name over the course of the season but um I think he looks like a good match actually for Bogle I mean I I his signing I was sort of in two minds you know when you get those players who are having their first proper Lone spell in men's football in you know the league club. it will take them a, a while to adapt. I think we'll see that with with Bonswell uh too, but physically, he's a big old unit, um very broad shoulders um and I gather from seeing what Bristol City experts have been saying that he it sounds he sounds like quite a similar player to Bogle. you know he's big, he's strong, but actually he's quite comfortable with the ball at his feet as well, and so he can play out play as a nine or a ten so I think. At the moment, he's probably like first cab off the rank up front with with Bogle and then you've got Rye uh, on the bench. But I would hope that Stryker is where we're targeting bringing in another body because I, I think we, we look seriously light up there, especially if you've got Zanzala out for a couple of months.
3: Should we work our way through the side? We can work from front to back. It's fine. Right. So if we're starting up top with uh, Bogle and Oz would be our choice, but obviously if Oz is injured, we're going to go with Bogle and Seb. Uh, who are we placing in our midfield? I think Bryn Morris is going to slot in there straight away. So you probably see Morris will dig. I think we're going to stick with a five at the back. I don't know who that extra man is going to be, the, the third man. I'd like to see James Waite have a go. I quite like him in central midfield. I know people will disagree with me, but um, if you watch. All of Bogle's goals from last season, the ones that he scored in the first couple of months of the season, James Waite is involved in the build-up of loads of them. And I just think he gives us a little bit more of a creative spark than we might necessarily have.
2: I'm not so sure we will have him there starting. I agree with you that when it comes to creative options, we're not massively blessed. So I think the starting three will be Charles Lee. Because I think you know he is a Coco player, and I think he showed last year that he he's got the the kind of work rate that uh, Cockerell looks for. I think it'll be Wildig because I think he's got the experience, and he probably does offer the creativity that that we need. And up until today, I was thinking that it would probably be Scott Bennett as the final one of the three, but. I don't know. Looking at some of the the highlights or lowlights from that that Bristol City hammering, whether he's got the pace, I don't know. So it could be Morris ahead of Bennett, but one of those two. So Charlie wielding, and then either Bennett or Morris for me.
4: Yeah, I think it's. I'm I'm glad you touched on pace there, because one of the things we didn't talk about in terms of the profile of the players that he's brought in, I think he's also been looking to bring some more pace into the team with the players that he's brought and the ability to press and Harry, I think is also quite a key thing that he's brought in, whether that's Seb up front or the or the or the mid, or anyone else he's brought in. I think that's that's definitely a profile of the players. The front the, the middle three, if we are going with a if we are going with a f if we're going with a three five two or a five three two, Charles Lee Morris Wildig for me. I think Bennett doesn't necessarily have the pace. I think that Morris in the very in the glimmer of the Sheffield gloom the other day when I was down there watching him he looks a good, you know. He looked a good acquisition. I don't take too much of you no know, preseason, but he he looked good on the ball. He he looked constructive. He could pass it well. Didn't shirk a tackle, and it certainly has more pace than uh, Matty Dolan, who he's a little bit like. Yeah. So yeah, Charles e. Wildig Morris for me.
3: At the back, there's uh, there's relatively few, few options at left back. Just Matty Bonswell is our only left back on the book books at the moment, or Will Evans in a in a pinch. Ian, do you want to start us off with your your back five?
4: I suspect that he will play Will Evans as the left wing-back. I, I wouldn't. I, I, I would start with Matty Bonswell, partly because I think, you know, we all know that the youngsters take a bit of time to settle. but let's have a look at him early doors. It's, let's get in there. He's got a lot of pace, and a couple of Newcastle fans I know rate him pretty highly. I'd get him. I'd, let's have him in there. And then, obviously, on the other side, I think we're going to play um, McLaughlin as the right wing-back. And then I think we'll play Jameson. Clark and Delaney as the three. And Delaney and um Jameson, they are we got some we got some big units there. Um mm. there's a bit there's a bit of there's a bit of heft at the back there. And obviously I've not seen Delaney, but I was I Jameson looked looked decent at Sheffield as well, he looks a big unit, looks quite comfortable on the ball, looked looked to have a decent amount of pace about him. So um
2: I, th- I think you're right. Physically, there's there aren't going to be that many teams bigger than us uh, next season, which is which is no bad thing. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in terms of the three centre backs, Delaney and Jameson, I think, are both left footed. Um, and then you know, Clark on the the sort of right of those three. Um, McLaughlin is the shoe in at, at right wing back. I would be starting with Evans at left wing back. I think Bonswell will come into the season a bit like Scouts Lewis did. Last year, I think it'll take him a little while to get up to speed. I suspect by the end of the season, if it all goes to plan, he, he may well um, have taken ownership of that shirt. But I think we'll start with Evans um, just to give him time to, to get up to speed.
3: Yeah, I think Drysdale's not quite ready to be coming back from injury yet, is he? So...
2: November, they said.
3: November. So really, we don't have mm. too many options out of that. Those three centre-halves, that's kind of what we
4: got. It'd be interesting because I think if we, when he does come back, I mean, I know that, you know, he, he's had some great games and not some great games, but I think the potential of a Drysdale, Delaney, Jameson back three is is good.
3: Still only 23, isn't he, Drysdale? Yeah. So, you know, he's got, he's still got time to develop. And yep. also, I think um, if you're right in saying Delaney, Delaney and Jameson are both left footed, I'd quite like uh, Drysdale on the right of that trio because he's got a bit more pace than Clark as the, as the wide centre-back in a back three, you can end up defending up against wingers out wide. And that's where Clark can possibly get exposed. He's he's very clever in the way that he uses his body to try and uh, make up for his kind of shortcomings. But, you know, genuine, there's no substitute for pace, is there? So moving on to goalkeepers, I think this might be (laughs) unanimous, to be honest. We're going to have our
2: our age-old debate about who who do you pick out of Dale Townsend. It's it's nice, we do this about three times a season, don't we?
3: Yeah, but I think every time almost all of us decide on Townsend. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. The debate rages on. Again, I I don't think we should dwell too much on the drubbing at Bristol City today, but um, yeah, Day didn't cover himself in glory with a couple of those. Um, So yeah, it's Townsend for me. Same.
3: On the flip side as well, uh, we took a drubbing from Swansea, didn't we, in the week in another behind-closed-doors friendly. And Townsend apparently produced some fantastic saves to keep it at five. Again, I, I agree with you both that I think he would be my my choice um, to start in goal on the, on the first day. There were even some rumours that we might be looking to move day on if we can find someone to take him on, because he's probably one of our highest-paid players.
2: Yeah, I, I, I believe that. You know, there's a lot of rumours that I take with a pinch of salt. But I should imagine if someone offered to take him off the wage bill and we, we that would probably free up enough money to bring in a couple of relatively cheap options elsewhere on the pitch. I think we take it. Yeah.
3: I'd yeah. Agree with that. Yeah. I agree.
2: But who's your captain?
3: Um, I think James Clark will be selected as captain. Well, that's
2: the speculation. I really? but I'm 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 with Ian. I think if you're looking at the back line, Clark's probably the one who's in the weakest position. And if Drysdale comes back strongly from injury, then Clark perhaps isn't is the one who makes way. So I think it's going to be Carl Jameson personally.
4: Yeah, it's interesting because I and again it touches on our you know where's our leaders that we talked about other in the last the last season. But I just jotted down a few names that I think you know could be in the running for it. Jameson being one, Scott Bennett being one, Morris Wildig, and even and even Bogle up front. You know, if you want to want to do something a bit different, I actually didn't have Clark on my list of options. I've not seen Delaney or anything. But he talks about him being a bit of a bit of a warrior, and he. So, I think it'll be Jameson as well. I agree with you, but I I think I would give it to Morris. Don't, is that based didn't... on what you saw at Sheffield, or is that? Just a punt. Yeah. So Jameson had the armband at Sheffield. But I just I like the way it's a correct ridiculously small. So I like the way that Morris communicated and his positional play. I thought he looked like someone who could who could who could lead. But I as I said, I think we actually have a few in the in the squad who you could you could argue could make a, could make a captain, but I would give it to, I would give it to Morris, but I think he'll give it to Jameson.
3: The thing with selecting a captain as well is so much of it is down to the things that we as fans don't see. Yeah. It's, it's how you are in the changing room on the training yeah. pitch, even off the training pitch with the other players. Um, and we're not going to see that. So we are kind of finger in the wind a little bit. Uh, my only thing is, is that Jameson's still relatively young. He, isn't that experience I just think Clark's age and experience certainly puts him in a good position to be a leader in that group whether he's um, getting the playing time that maybe you'd want your captain to have I definitely don't think it's going to be Bogle he he wears his heart on his sleeve too much um, yeah. and he he lets things get to him a bit more than you'd want your your captain to on the pitch I think so when uh, Coughlin first came in, his uh, mission statement was crawl, walk, run. Do you think we're, I think towards the end of last season, we were getting towards walking. Do you think we've kind of stumbled and fallen back into a crawl or are we ready to to move forward a bit at a bit more of a canter now?
2: It was a good analogy. And I think if you look at the way we played under him for the first couple of months of just... Grinding out results, making ourselves really hard to beat—that was the crawl phase. And I think by the end of the season, we'd moved into the walk phase, and we were starting. You could start to see what cockball was going to look like a little bit more. And I think now that he's added his own type of players, and like half of our signings are are, are Irish, aren't they? You know, we're gonna—I'm hoping that this will be accompanied by like cut-price Guinness in the in the stands. You know, so that he's making a team. In his own image, Coughlin. I, I don't think we're anywhere close to running yet, but I think we can perhaps walk at a, a slightly brisker pace. <laughs> I think we'll still be
4: walking pretty slowly. <laughs> I Yeah, it's a, it is a good analogy, isn't it? Um, I think we are still very much just crumbling off the floor at the minute, crawling up to get into that walk position. So I think, yeah, we're walking at the minute, probably a bit shamblesly slowly like I do when I stumble about seas. So, yeah. Quite slow, quite a slow walk. I think we're at the minute, but you know that's not to knock what he's doing and where we are. Do you know what I mean? I just think that's the that's the reality of what it takes to to change a squad, to develop it, to put it as you say, yeah, to to get that squad in its own image. To you know start bringing in the players, reducing the age. You know, getting more pace in there. There's a lot of there's a lot of work being done, isn't there, to try and change the squad. So yeah, we're walking. I think.
3: That's kind of the case at the start of every season, though, isn't it? League Two has such a high turnover of players. I yeah. think every season we sit here discussing how are we going to replace X, you know, your Josh yeah. or whoever has left that year, because players are only ever on two-year contracts. So I think, you know, the start of the season is always a little bit of still trying to figure things out. I noticed today that the only, um, the only two Flynn players we have left was Joe Day on his return. And Townsend both signed by Flynn, and Scott Bennett was signed by Feeney. So yeah. all of our players now are either Robry sign-ins or uh, sign-ins.
4: Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? When you think about it. Yeah. But I think it also shows that, you know, that that Flynn that Flynn era team, you know, was coming to the end, wasn't it? You know, you've yeah. got, you know, it 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 you know, your Ammons non-league, you know. Labadee's gone into non-league hasn't he you know that that it was reaching the end of its cycle and, and we needed to regenerate didn't we like the doctor and uh we have done that you know a little bit under Obrey but now f- not fully under under Coughlin. but that's that's the direction of you know that that age thing that I think is really important that we've changed.
2: Yeah exactly And and you've already said it Ian but if you look at the players who've come in a lot of them are at a really good age you know you can imagine the likes of Jameson if things go to plan actually being here for a good amount of time you know he could end up being the next like Mickey Dimitriou and being around for eight nine years because he's at that age where um, he's going to develop as a player hopefully you know under a manager who understands how to get the best out of him you know Cockland former centre-back and all that and you see it with other players that he's brought in as well Morris and uh, you know Charsley and so on and actually it comes back to something I said at the end of last season. We knew we were going to lose a lot of experienced defenders. But having said that, we didn't have a great defensive record last season. So this summer has been a chance to rebuild and reshape that defence from scratch. And we look to be doing that with a really good core of young, promising defenders. So I think, yeah, bring it on. It may take them a few months to, to gel properly um and and we'll come on a little bit later perhaps talk about how important the start of the season is if you look at what the fixtures um calendar has given us but yeah we've we've got to hit the ground running um and hopefully they can get that gelling done nice and quickly
3: yeah we need for players to say stay there for you know seven eight years we need them to be in that that perfect window where they're good enough for us but not too good to go anywhere else this that's a very very narrow goldilocks zone my personal opinion is that I think we've done quite well at bringing some of the younger players through. Um, but do you think we should be concerned that um, we're not really getting youngsters from the academy through to um, senior level as, as much? We had Lewis Collins, who kind of played in fits and starts, and he's now dropped down to Torquay. Uh, we had Harrison Bright, who we were told was part of the first team last season before he went out on loan. We had Twamley, who went out on loan and then was released. Um, And now we've got a new crop of youngsters with Rye and um, Bright is still there, uh, Tom Stokes. Do you think maybe there's a lack of investment in the academy? Or do you think that it's an actual issue that we're not getting those players through into the first team?
2: Well, I think Cochrane is going to make a concerted effort to really develop the likes of Rye and Bright. And I think that's partly because he has to, because he doesn't have the budget to bring in players from outside so he doesn't need to make the most of what we've got but having said that he was giving Rye chances at the end of last season to prove himself he's clearly sent him away over the summer to go and work on his fitness bulk himself up and he's been getting his chances pre-season I should imagine we're going to see Bright um, in, in a good few games probably early on in the season in the Spotify trophy and everything else so I think the that actually the, the future is probably brighter in terms of the academy than it has been for a while. And that's partly from necessity. But I also think Coughlin, um seems to be engaging with the academy in a way that perhaps we, we haven't had over the last few years. I mean, I've said it before I would much rather we were giving some chances to some of our own youngsters than developing other teams players for for them um, especially the ones who come in you know January sort of time and by the time they they've kind of got up to the level they're off back again we saw it at the end of last season with McNeil for example who by the end of the season started to look all right but it's not going to be us who benefits from that it's wherever he ends up next so I think it, we're probably in a better place now than we have been for a while with the Academy. And I think Rye is potentially going to be a really exciting player for us this season.
4: I feel a bit sceptical about the Academy. I, it, it may be because I don't know how it works and all the rest of it. But I just get a sense that I get a sense that Cochrane's looked at it and feels like he's had a look at the Academy and let quite a few, let quite a few go. said you're not going to make it. You're not up to the standard which which leads you to think well what were they doing there in the first place to a certain extent and i think when you think about our finances you know one of the key things we need to do is develop and sell players whether that be a first, so whether that be you know jameson who's coming in at 24 and we say right he's the one who's got the best resale value let's get him under a decent contract sell him when we need to right or whether that's you know if we're saying kiban rai is going to be the one that's going to make it You know, do you try and get him tied down so we can actually make some money out of some of these players? Because, you know, it's been a long time since we've since anyone's come through the academy into the first team that we've sold. As far as I can remember, it doesn't feel that good to me that very occasionally we have the odd player who might come and play a handful of first team games. You know, who who was the last one who came through and actually held down a first team play? Regan Poole, had anyone? Regan Poole yeah. Played about a season, did he? did he get a season out of him? Yeah.
3: He came in and played most of a season. Um and then he was picked up by Man United, wasn't he?
4: You know, that's a good few seasons ago, isn't it? You know, yeah. we're not so if we judge it by things like that, and I'm not saying we should judge it thing by things like that, but partly for me is that the state of the club we are and the type of club we are, a fundamental part of what we should be, of our DNA should be trying to get that academy right and getting players that do come through. I don't see it. So I'm like, well, that's, so for me, I'd I'd question it.
3: Yeah. Some clubs have uh, got rid of their academies, haven't they? I know um, Salford have gone to a BT model. I think there was another one in league two, but then if you look at the likes of Exeter, who sold Ethan Ampadu for, it was about 4 or 5 million pound to Chelsea and then they got a chunk of the resale when Chelsea sold him on to Leeds this week yeah. you know that's that's a dream for a club like us if we can have 6 million pound over the course of 5 years i think our playing budget is kind of back of the fag packet maths it's about a million pound a year so if you can sell one academy player for 5 years worth of playing budget
4: that's incredible <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: but then how many how many frogs do you need to kiss to
4: get to get yeah. one good
3: academy player?
4: Yeah, I, I don't mind us bringing the lone players in at the start of the season, like we've done with Seb and we've done with uh, Matty Bondswell. I think it's really good that we got Matty Bondswell as early as we did because what normally happens is you get your lone players last, don't you? After yeah. they have sort of every all the so getting him in dead early, I think that's been a really good shout. Um, I'm less impressed by having, as you say, eighteen year olds coming in in January. I don't think. It, that does us anything particularly, unless it's you know, we're firefighting and we need a body. But yeah, I, I, yeah, get him in. If we got him in early, we can have him for the season. Great January. I'm not sure it doesn't, it does us a huge amount of favors.
3: Anyway, moving on from the academy, last one on sign-ins. If you could sign one more player in a position, um, what
4: position would it be? We'll start with you, Ian. Oh, I need two signings really. <laughs> um, but it, for me at the moment, it's got to be up front. I'd be looking to bring someone in alongside. Alongside the Bogle. if I could have two, and I can't, but if I could have two, you're right, Ed, in terms of the fact that we've got some, we've got some size at the back, and Morris is okay size-wise. But I did, I do think we, across the middle of the park, are a, maybe a little bit light like phys, from a physicality point of view, and I know we've 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 talked many times about having a sort of a Labberty type player who could stay on the pitch, but I, I still think that we We might miss someone like that, I could do with something like that, but if I've got one it'll be a striker alongside the bow.
2: I'm okay in terms of physicality in, in midfield you know you've got you've got Bennett there, all right, the likes of Charles Lee and Wildig are not the biggest, but they're no shrinking violets either and if they've got to put in a challenge or leave something in on a challenge then then they will do so i'm I'm not worried about that um for me, it's a striker as well um. I think it's great that we've got Wright. I think it's great that we've got Tara Palmer with Tomkinson. But we need, I think, another experienced striker up front with Bogle. And if I'm being picky, I want some pace um, as well up front, really. So um, I would like the striker we bring in to have some serious roadrunner legs on him, because I think that's the thing we're missing. Um, I can see us being I was about to say I can see us being quite hard to score goals against. Obviously the the last couple of behind closed doors friendlies <laughs> perhaps don't back that up. But I I think once we, we get going in fourth division football, I think, you know, particularly under Cochlon, we're not going to concede loads this season. I, I'm struggling to see where the goals come from, especially if Bogle has a dry spell, but also just in terms of like creating chances as well. So um I think a really nippy striker um, is what I'd be prioritising, just to try and stretch some defences a little bit.
3: I agree with the the striker, but just to kind of put something different on the argument, wing-backs, we've got Bright and uh, McLaughlin, so I don't know whether you want more depth on that side. We've only got Bonswell or Will Evans, who isn't really a left-back, on the other side. Um, with Drysdale injured until November time, we've only got three centre-halves.
2: But you've got Bennett and you've got Morris, both of whom can be an auxiliary centre half if required. Like I, I, you're right, I, I I completely understand the point you're making. But we said it a few pods back. If you look at the the versatility of what Coco has signed, you know, I think the fact that you've got Delaney and Jameson, they're left-footed centre backs, but in an emergency they could go to left back. You've got Bennett and Morris in midfield, but they could drop back and cover a centre half uh slot for a game or two if if needs be. Like there's enough flexibility and versatility there that I I sort of feel like we we've probably got some cover. Really, I
3: Will Evans can cover as a forward. He didn't have the best time in front of goal last season, Will Evans, but he is a forward. If he's there as depth, yeah. if he's not your if Oz and Bogle are your first choice strikers, then your depth is uh Seb. Will Evans and Rye, you've got yeah. five strikers to fit into two positions.
2: I think we've we've said this on the WhatsApp group and elsewhere. Like, yeah, Evans' goal ratio in the games he played up front last year were, was um, nothing to write home about. But if there are games next season where we're away from home defending a 1-0 lead and you just need someone to hold the ball up, I'd have no problem at all sticking Will Evans up top. Um, I think he, his, his work rate was good. And, you know, how many times last season did we say it? he just needed one to go in off his arse or something he was trying too hard to get a goal and I think maybe I think he might get a few more this season actually just just because I think he's a little bit more settled in terms of his place in the squad and in the pecking order and and perhaps won't have the but won't be putting the same amount of pressure on himself
3: that's the only thing he's missing I like a lot of the things that he does he's pretty good on the ball he holds it up well he picks out a nice pass his energy is always great he's strong he's pretty quick but he's just missing goals. Um, and unfortunately, that's what you're judged on as a striker. But he's there as an option, isn't
4: he? He also can't cross a ball, which is a bit of an issue if you're playing on the left-hand side as a left, whatever he's going to be, a left wing-back. So it'll be. A I think that's good. It's going to be a really interesting season for him. Has Can he push on? Or is he just someone who can run around a lot? To be honest, a lot of county fans, a lot of people who can run around a lot. But I'm sceptical about Will Evans. As Definitely as the, the president
2: of the of the Will Evans fan club, Ian, and we, we're going to have to have a a set two about this. I think at some point over the course of the season. I, I know his consistency is a a strength and a curse, right? Because he's he's often a sort of seven out of ten type player. You know, he he goes out, he does a job, he works hard. He will also have things in a game that will frustrate you. His set pieces. His crossing at times, his um, lack of finishing, perhaps as well. But I d- he's another one. He's he's young. Last season was his first full season in full time men's pro football. He played like best part of forty games. I think I think we'll see him kick on a bit this season. I'm I'm quite excited. I think uh, let's I'll, I'll have a fiver with you to a, a charity of your choice. I think you're more likely to have changed your view about Will Evans by the end of this season than I am. Yeah, I'm happy with that. There you. we go.
3: I think his versatility is also a curse, that because he's played in midfield, out wide on the left, left left wing back, up front, he never gets a consistent run in one position to really build up that like relationship with the players around him. And
2: I, I don't think versatility is ever a curse. It slightly interferes, I think, with how fans view a player. But I think if you're a manager, especially if you're a manager who's got a squad of like, what are we up to now, like 22 players, a player like Will Evans is gold dust. Someone who you can play in three or four positions, and who'll probably like drive the bus home afterwards if you need him to. Like it, players like that are, are what you need.
4: I agree with you on that. Although obviously, you know, if we had the money, we'd pick specialists in their positions, wouldn't we? But you know. <laughs> um, so the one we haven't talked about was our new Cumbria player, isn't it? Wood. Well, I don't know anything about him. So is he giving another one that's just gonna run around a lot? And
2: I'm flat- I'm excited he- by him. The, the goal he got last season where he took it from his own penalty area beat like four players ran the entire length of the pitch and finished. like he, he's he's got he something football isn't it yeah yeah well look it's a step up for him there's an undoubted talent there he's creative he's quick he's a lot of the things we've already said we need I put him in the same bracket as like Tara Palmer Tomkinson bonds well. Don't judge them till Christmas. You know, give them give them three four months and and let them get used to the standard, and then we'll see where we are in January. I th- I think he'll be a great player probably by next season, but I think this season it'll be a gradual, you know, coming up to the standard type thing. Fair enough. This
3: time last year we were talking about all the great goals that Will Evans scored before joining us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think you're right, though. We need to give him the opportunity to develop. But he's another option. He he seems, again, pretty versatile as well. So always an asset to have and hopefully he gets his opportunities. So this week we had the away shirt launched. Um, It's white with kind of a camouflage pattern with the camouflage blotches being in the shape of the County of Gwent. Do we like it? Do we not? I know Ian's criticism already.
4: To be fair to it. Yeah, I quite like it. I quite like it. It's got the, you know, it's a nice mirror to the home shirt in terms of... You know, for a long time, certainly when I started, we played in, you know, white and black away. That was uh, a a lot of what we played in. So, you know, we've gone for the sort of 80s, like 80s inspired home kit, haven't we? So to flip and have a kit that we sort of, a different design, but something we, we did play in back then. So I'm happy with that nod. I like the... The, the fact that it's got black and amber trim, both around the badge, around the collar, even though it's not a proper collar, which Edelkam will know, uh, and around the and around the, the piping on the sleeves. So from that perspective, as a shirt, I'm I'm okay with that. Shorts are the issue though, aren't they? There's no black shorts should be black shorts.
3: <laughs> but I'm sure yeah. we'll be able to wear the black shorts from the home kit with the away kit if we need to. Yes,
2: we'll see. I quite like yeah. it. I think I think it's a nice enough kit. It it needs a proper collar. I really hope that. At least one of the. We still got the third shirt to come out. I really hope that 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 has a proper flappy collar on it. But um, but yeah, I thought it
3: was quite nice. I'm not a massive fan of the camouflage blotches, but that's because we're a lot of camouflage anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so for work, so I, I'd rather not wear it on my days off. Yeah, so so I'm not not a huge not a huge fan of of the camouflage pattern. I really like the home shirt that takes some beating by the third shirt as well. But yeah, it's it's decent. I think we've had worse ones. That that red Hummel one popped up on Twitter a couple of days ago. The one straight out of the catalogue. That was
4: dreadful. So, you know, VX3 had done a decent job so far. It was the first season with us. And I and I and also a shout out to you know you know how much I hate player reveals and all that sort of stuff, right? Credit where credit's due. The reveal they did for that shirt was quite was witty it was funny you know they did a good job on that so the sort of whole thing they're doing around the social media stuff it is is uh, they've stepped up i think the mark the, mar- the marketing stuff has, has improved recently so yeah fair play for them to that for that with one exception and um,
3: we'll get to that in my beefs
2: oh teaser.
3: moving on to predictions where do you think we'll finish my personal preference is anywhere above the bottom two i don't think we're going to be kind of near the top end this season um to put a number on it, I'm going to say seventeenth.
2: I've also said seventeenth, so we're we're coalescing around something already. Um, it's it's going to be a slog. It really is this season. It is going to be a slog um, for the the reasons that we've we've already talked about. It's so important we hit the ground running. If you look at our opening five fixtures, there's a lot of games in there that we we really do need to get some points from. It gets a lot harder once you get into like October, November sort of time. The opening five or six games will tell us an awful lot. If we can accrue some points early on, we can all breathe a little bit more easily by the time we get into into the autumn. If we struggle, if we go and you know lose our first four or five games, it's going to be squeaky bum time. But I don't think we could have a better manager at the helm for a season like this than Graham Coughlin. So yeah, I think 17th is is achievable, but yeah, this is going to be a slog of a season. I just really hope somewhere along the way we manage to have a cup run or something just to give us a bit of of light relief because I think the league the league games are going to be at one long unremitting backs against the wall grind out <laughs> results it's going to be one of those seasons and like that's that's all right you've got to have that occasionally and we've we've talked at length about the off-field stuff that has put us where we are but I just I'd really like it if we could in amidst all of that you know go a few rounds in the League Cup have a have a big day out somewhere you know be really nice just to have some some light relief in it all.
3: Ian, miss, normally Mr. Positivity.
2: How many points are we winning the uh, division by, Ian? Go
4: on. I'm not going to put us down for automatics. I think that might be pushing it a little bit. <laughs> I was expecting you to say we'll
3: pit the North Wales franchise on the last day to top <laughs> yeah. spot. Yeah, well,
4: we you know, we, we might. Who knows? You know what I mean? We all, we all start with zero points. That's what I love about it. It's very difficult to disagree with, Ed. I think it will be quite a tricky season. But I do think we've signed... I think injuries are going to play. I think if the if the if the core stays fit and healthy, that is going to be the key. I think if we get if we you know if we get some if we get some tricky injuries early doors across the core, then we could have a it could be tricky. But if they stay fit, and, and I'm going to be positive, we've been apparently training like loons off the, which I think is one of the reasons why there's not been too much going on in terms of results-wise from a season stuff. Because my understanding, he has been Coughlin has been working them incredibly hard, so I think we will be fit. I think we'll, we will chase everything going. I think we'll be organized and you know we've got a 20 goal a season striker if we can get someone up alongside him and we're not going to leak many then we could it could be a better season than many of us think. You know I think I think Morris Charles Lee and, and Wilder could be. could be you know there's making of a good access there in in the middle of the park. So I'm going to go let's let's say let's say everything everything goes as I wanted to we'll finish 10th. That's pretty positive given all the things that
3: have gone on off-field.
2: I know. <laughs> just just on your point about injuries, at some point we will get a bad injury and everyone will, like, sh** the bed and start panicking about what that's going to mean for our season. I have a, a kind of theory, which is that the sort of par for injuries is that you tend to get one bad long-term injury and two sort of medium-term injuries in the course of a season to players in the squad. That's kind of par. You'll have one player who will do an ACL and will be out for nine months, and you'll have a couple who will get a, you know, a problem means they're out for like three. That's sort of what it feels like about average. As long as those don't all come mm-hmm. to our centre-backs or to our strikers, as long as they're not in one area of the pitch, I think we can kind of deal with it. So when we do get someone gets a, a long layoff, let's not all suddenly go into panic mode you know that's that's part of what you plan for and as we've said we've got versatility in there so we just need to kind of keep cool heads when inevitably a player gets injured because that will happen
3: yeah agreed it's something that the manager plans for like you said happens every season it's one of those like next man up sort of things isn't it someone yeah someone has to step up if it's yeah. if it's one of the starters who who goes down with an injury someone else's it's an opportunity for someone else yeah. to step up so, top scorer, is there going to be any disagreement on this one? Fairly certain it's going to be Bogle then. If he but how many is you going to get?
2: Is it going to be 10 to 15, 15 to 20, 20 to 25, or are we going higher than that? I'm, I'm going to say 20 to 25.
3: Well, that's more optimistic than me. Um, anything around 15 is perfectly a good return for most um, league strikers.
4: Yeah, I'd say 15 to 20. Ed, if he's getting 20 to 25, we're finishing above 17th. Would be my view. <laughs> Depends whether anyone else gets any. <laughs> while we're on the sec- while we're on the question of Bogle, I don't know whether Reese is able to answer this as our as our resident stato. But when I was at Sheffield, I was having a, I was having an interesting debate with a guy that i met back in the eighties, who I occasionally bumped into at grounds, which is great. And he wasn't wildly happy with Bogle, but he was basically saying that basically most of his goals last year came from pens. And I was thinking, how many pens did he actually... Do we know how many pens Bogle actually scored? I, I thought he got about four. You know, he might have got about five or six. Or yeah, it like was only about four. He didn't score most of them from penalties. He scored
3: didn't he score 21 in all competitions he definitely didn't take 11 penalties no. yeah. and also
2: it, it's a thing that often gets thrown about of oh well you know all their goals are from penalties as though that's a freebie like you've that you've still got to score them there's plenty of people who can't oh, take penalties well yeah. and he was like ice in the veins yeah. with his penalties so that's fine he can if if he scores 25 goals this season they're all from the penalty spot i'm not complaining for a moment so no back in your box <laughs>
3: yeah i think i'd agree with that if he scores 20 goals a season from the penalty spot i wouldn't care either you win plenty what? of games if we're scoring that many absolutely so who do you think the promotion and
4: relegation candidates are likely to be i'm going to go stockport franchise dons and as my slightly outside punt, grimsby relegation it'll be nice to think it might be crawley and Forest Green. Crawley are bound to get into
3: some sort of difficulty with their ownership and finances, I expect, this season. There's already been a few rumblings about it. So I think Crawley could go down. Um I'm not sure who else, really. Um going up, I think Wrexham have they've got the budget, they've got the team. They're probably gonna be going up. I think Notts County might surprise people as well. You know, they just ride in a wave of positivity. Forest Green have always got money to spend as well. They'll they'll come again. I suppose this is the season to have a bad season. You don't really want to be competing for promotion with those teams with really big budgets. What we want is just some of them to to get gone. Um, we can rebuild for for a season or two, and you know maybe push on when there's not so much cash being thrown about by owners, and we compete on a bit more of a level playing field.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think this year division 4 is incredibly hard division to get out of because of the the teams in there with money whereas if you look at I the third division actually because of the teams who've come down with points deductions and off the field problems and the the relatively modest bank balances of the teams who've gone up actually that's that's a slightly easier division than it has been in recent years so yeah just just staying in in the game this year is part of what it's all about um so uh, I was just looking because I did some predictions for the Stockport County blog uh, who got in touch a a month or so ago so what I said then and I stick by most of this is I I think Stockport will go up as champions actually they really impressed me last year I thought they were um, they were unlucky not to go up in the playoffs Um, so I think they will go up as champions with the North East Wales Hollywood Globetrotters behind them and uh, Salford as the other two automatics playoffs I think I was tipping the likes of Grimsby, Notts County, Bradford and Swindon to be in there. Um I said a while ago I think Flynn will get Swindon to the playoffs this year but but fail at Wembley because that's what that's what Flynn does. And in the relegation zone, I agree with Crawley. The other team who a, a month back, I thought, might have ended up there was Forest Green. But I think they probably now will will actually be fine. And if you look at some of the... like They've signed Matty Taylor in the last few weeks. So, you know, they're, they're doing all right. They're going to get goals this season. Morecambe, I think, are the team who are now going to be really in the shit. So, um, yeah, those those are my predictions.
4: I think you're right, Ed, in that um, this is the toughest Division 4 since we came back into the league. A long way. Anything that we do, you know, just staying in it and just trying to do our best in it this year and try and, you know, restructure ourselves a bit, you know, irrespective of where I think we might finish. I think that is the absolute key this year. It's a very, very tough division.
3: So, the final point for the predictions um, where are you most looking forward to visiting this season? that silence says it all doesn't it uh, i'm hoping to go to forest green which will be my first away game in a in a couple of years so it's not that far from me
4: yeah i'm looking forward to that one i think it'll be a good day out i think for me if i can do it i think wimbledon will be will be one i'd like to i'd like to try and get to if i can i don't think there's anything else massively jumping out at I me mean, to be honest
2: i will i will be at wimbledon as well so i will see you there ian um that should be a, a good day out for all um the game that i'm will definitely be going to away is Bradford on the last day of the season because I wanted to tick Valley Parade off for a little while. Um, So I'll be at that. I just really, really hope that we don't need anything from it by that point in the season. I don't want to be going to Valley Parade on the final day needing for us to win by four goals and for whatever else to happen in other games I don't want any of that I want a, a nice dead rubber that I can go to and enjoy um so yeah that and there's also a home game I'm particularly looking forward to so my youngest is going to be a mascot for I think it's against Crew. one of the games the home game we got between Christmas and New Year so um I'm very much looking forward to that one as well
3: oh that's nice that you got yeah your lad being mascot try and get to that one between christmas and new year i normally make one of those uh, christmas games the eagle ear amongst you may have noticed that some of our panel is missing jamie is away on his holidays in italy but like the professional he is uh, he has sent in a clip of his close season thoughts um so let's throw it over to signor harris
1: buonasera ciao croiso welcome everyone you find me sitting in a piazza in firenze florence italy I have my espresso, my copy of La Gazzetta dello Sport open in front of me, and being in this magnificent city full of art, culture, and history, I'm missing out on joining the rest of the 1912 Exiles gang for the pre-season special. I've spent my days wandering the piazzas and the galleries, musing on the works of Botticelli, Donatello, Leonardo da Vinci, and of course, Michelangelo. I'm feeling rather philosophical about Newport County's current state, and I've, I've drawn some rather tenuous comparisons to the work of the sculptors and artists of the Renaissance period of the 15th and 16th centuries let's take uh, Michelangelo's David as an example Uh, you all know what he looks like he's 17 foot tall he's symbolizing independence and strength in the perfect image of, of youthful beauty but did you know that the marble from which it was chiseled was a rejected block discarded for its poor quality A block of marble was provided from a a quarry in Carrara, uh, which is an Alpine town in northern Tuscany. Uh, A previous sculptor, Agostino, got only as far as beginning to shape the torso, the legs, the feet, uh, roughing out the drapery and and possibly hollowing out a hole between the legs. Uh, For unknown reasons, his actually work on the block of marble actually was halted with the death of Donatello, his his master, in, in 1466. Um, another sculptor, um, a Florentine, Antonio Rossellino, uh, he was commissioned ten years later to resume that work, but the contract was uh, just rescinded uh, and the block lay neglected, exposed to the weather in a, in a yard of a cathedral workshop for another 25 years. In 1501 they were determined to find an artist who would take this large piece of marble and turn it into a finished work of art. Though Leonardo da Vinci, among others, was consulted, it was Michelangelo, at just 26 years old, who was given that official contract to undertake that task. Now, Michelangelo was a master of proportion, but when he accepted the commission to sculpt David in 1501, he inherited this block of marble two other sculptors had chipped, chiselled, ultimately deemed unworkable. Certain characteristics of the statue of David, uh, his slender, twisted figure, are likely due to the shape of that marble before Michelangelo got working, So what he was given with. David is imperfect and out of proportion. His hands and his face are also larger than they should be due to its original resting place. It was supposed to be observed from afar at the top of the Cathedral of Florence. Uh, but its weight, is absolutely colossal, and other political reasons meant it stood at ground level in the main square instead, before moving to a gallery uh, in 1873, where it still stands today. The fact that Michelangelo could craft something so majestic with this piece was lauded. Uh, Vasari, uh, a contemporary of his, described it as certainly a miracle of Michelangelo to restore to life one who was dead. Now, I'm hoping Graham Coughlin can follow in Michelangelo's footsteps and create something beautiful out of the imperfect. Um, the previous sculptors like Flynn James Robry have had their artistic ideals and tried to imprint them on this side now it's the turn of another in Cochrane to work with the marble he has been provided and try to create something great we can craft a good team out of the players deemed surplus to requirements elsewhere you know, they might not fit another system but Cochrane can get his chisel out to carve a solid team and even perhaps one that's beautiful to watch I don't know about the quality of the marble we've signed, but I'm hoping with a bit of buffing, a bit of shining, Cockland can work and build something great. Over the last month, I've been quite despondent about our future, whether we have quality on and off the pitch to stay in the football league. But I'm taking a leaf out of another book to source some positivity. When it's off-season, I tend to switch off from football completely. I'm a a cricket lover. um, And I wonder if we can take some inspiration from England's Baseball approach this summer it's all about positive thinking and ideas there's no fear or even talk of failure but instead you know they're seeking out ways to win and go for it even if it's a risk let's try and find clever ways to get a goal even though it means taking a bit of a risk uh, in terms of losing a game conservative football can only get us so far but eventually sitting back and being compact will eventually let them get through and score i'd love to see us take more of a chance. Have some faith in the likes of Kipan Ray, for instance, but also in the team we're assembling at the moment. Much like Basbel's unwavering focus on a creative approach to grind out a win, Michelangelo crafted something that is still revered today, 500 years later, out of a piece of marble which was deemed unworkable. Of course, David is the David from David versus Goliath. It's a representation of a small man ready to slay a giant. Well, in Newport County, we're used to fighting Goliaths every season, on and off the pitch. Grazie mille a tutti, e arrivederci. So, to wrap it
0: up, as we always
3: do... Um, Hang so on, can... are, we, are, we, are, we not, are we not going to reflect on uh, on
2: Jamie's bit? Are we... <laughs> that analogy the uh, Michelangelo's david as Newport county I mean that, that he's he's clearly trying to channel his inner ian street so uh <laughs> yeah well done well done jamie he's stepped you know we talked about players stepping up this season jamie is is clearly going to be uh yeah in poetic form for the season ahead I'm looking forward to it. i'm all I'm all for that it was great it was great it was and, and following on
4: by the muse yeah. yeah and 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 that's why i, I was quite you know because we talked we have had a few literary references on here, which is why i like our new Holden Coalfield up front as well, so for those who don't know who he is, go and look him up.
2: He's the uh, the lead character in The Catcher in the Kibben Rye. Hey, hey! Hey, there we so, go.
3: We're having fun, listeners. As always, keeping it very highbrow. We'll finish, as usual, with the uh, shout-outs and beefs.
4: Yeah, I mean, you can Can we have shout-outs and beefs before the season seems started? I don't know what we can, but I'm sure we can think of something. I mean, I would like to give a shout-out. I know that if you haven't listened to it, um, listeners... I sat down with Nick, the club photographer of the other week, and that was great. And um, it was a real good insight to the lot of work that people do who also have full-time jobs and thinking through and the, all the sort of processes that she goes through to, to prep for a game and stuff like that. I found it really illuminating. So a shout out to Nick and others like her who, who, who do that work. Beef, the shockingly bad weather for the Sheffield game in mid-July. <laughs> I was like... You've got as you know, I don't bother with preseason venues. So I've got to go to that, haven't I? But it was the flip side of that is I had an early, early um, Bovril, So um that doesn't normally kick in till October, November time. So I I have one really minor beef and
3: as I'd said, the social media has been fantastic for almost all the summer. I've liked um some of the signing reveals they've done, they've been all right. But the, the Mickey Dimitriu Oh God, (laughs) so I know what you're gonna say here. They they did it in such a way that you can't see the T H or the O U. So in the middle in big white letters, it just says Anki. And that's all I can see. I can't see anything else. did no one proofread that and go, That says Anki? It just looked terrible to me, but I'll I'll make sure we stick a link in the show notes so that
2: listeners can see what you uh what you're referring to. But yeah, it was it was a bit weird. anki
3: Yeah, apart from that, if that's the worst thing I've got to complain about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing all right. Doing all right, aren't we? So that um, that kind of brings us to the end there. Um, we've covered a lot of ground, so all that's left is for me to thank the panel. Thank Thanks you very, very much. much, and thank you all for listening. And until next time, keep it county.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter.